What's going on, world? Welcome to the third episode of the Principles Podcast. My name is Kevin Jenkins. Um, I'm glad you all are back today. Uh, got some some great topics, uh, some some concepts, and some things I was thinking about uh, for the structure of this episode. And uh, you know, I want to first off thank everybody that tuned in to the uh, two part series I created. Uh, last week with Black Group Economics, you know, the feedback was was very, I'm humbled and I appreciate all of the support and, and the feedback. And we're just going to continue, you know, the goal and the mission. And that's just being able to expand financial literacy and be giving people financial education so they can be able to make sound decisions that can help elevate their life, especially within you know, you know, my communities, you know, all communities, not just the black community, but I just want us all to be able to be aware and and to be able to see the game out here. So today I want to talk on some of the fundamentals with the stock market. You know, I, I was doing a lot of research on just the history of investing in the stock market uh, being able to understand the patience that it takes to become uh, a sound long-term investor. And I wanted to break down to you all, you know, some of the some of the research that I found. And I know you have a lot of people, some people may say, oh, the stock market, you know, is risky. You know, you, you, your money sometimes it you're kind of gambling your money and sometimes in certain situations and some people in our community, I know in the black community, not everybody wants to invest in the stock market. You have some people that do, but a lot of people try to uh, put a, a narrative around it. Like it's, it's so risky, but if you understood the game, uh, you could be able to play it over a long term period and and have min and minimum risk, you know, your risk could be, you know, low for the most part. So uh, I just wanted to give you all some statistics on what you're missing out, you know, the gains, the capital gains that you're missing out with not investing in the stock market and why the earlier the better is when you should start, you know, putting a percentage of your income into the stock market. Now, since March 23rd, the Dow S&P 500 has gained uh, 39.6%. I uh, found out that that was the strongest increase across 50 trading days. So that was the most they've seen in the 50-day stretch uh, with the S&P 500. Uh, and then also, I found that according to Fidelity.com, Technology, discretionary, and healthcare lead are sectors that have grown over the last 12 months, uh, specifically in the areas of, of free cash flow margins and return on equity. So also, when you look at it, uh, I was looking at the Dow and wanted to know, you know, before everything was happening with the pandemic, pandemic where the where the value of it was at compared to what it costs now for the stock. And on March 18th of this year, the Dow was around 18000 and now it's around 27000 So that just goes to show you that the market always recovers. So everyone that was panicking back in March, you know, a little April, you know, about the stock market, you know, the people that that complained and stayed away from it, you had hedge fund managers, you had 
you know, other millionaires, other people that was doubling down and putting even more into the market. And now then it came up crazy. So you just got to understand the logistics, you know, and understand that when when something is going on in the media and the news, that's what sells stocks, you know, as far as that's what drives it up and down. Just like investors' expectations, when they start putting out articles and hype surrounding the stock, that's when you usually see it start to go up or go down, depending on how positive or negative the news is. So you just got to kind of understand, you know, that the market always recovers and, and and continue to invest consistently and always focus on the long term. And that's what I want to transition into the beginning of the podcast is <clears throat> I want to stress the point that focusing on long term investing is the best way to get started when you're looking to putting your money into the stock market. Um, I, I know I have friends personally and, you know, I know people that like to day trade and they like to also short sale stocks. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but I think that the fundamentals, the principles and the foundations that you put in place to start off is what can prepare you for that. Because more importantly, what you want to develop is patience and discipline. And you're going to get more of that out of a long term investing strategy instead of trying to day trade on a daily basis when you don't have any fundamentals or foundations in place. So to be honest with you. Well, my approach is, you know, you should definitely look at growth and value funds that you can put your money in over a 30 year period of time, uh, because as you become more knowledgeable as an investor, you know, you can definitely have your short term investments as well. But it's best to learn the fundamentals first. So I think that, you know, that's long term, learn long term growth and value funds over a 30 year period. Is, is going to be the, the goal that you should start off with. So if you have a 401k with your job, you know, that's fine. If, if you they do matching, definitely take advantage and contribute to the amount that you need in order to receive matching. But I also feel that every family, every individual out there should have their own self-directed IRA. So even if you may contribute 6% to your employer, I would say like the other 10% you should be able to do with your own self and and, and contribute to your own self-directed IRA just so you are aware of how your investments are moving and not so much relying on a fund manager that's, that's managing your 401k that makes all your investments. You're not really knowing where your money is moving. You don't understand the fundamental and the technical analysis behind evaluating your portfolio. You're going to learn more when you when it's your own money and you're watching your own money rather than somebody under other rather than another person managing it. So I just want you to be aware of that and understand that the self-directed IRA is going to teach you a lot. You know, with just managing your own money. And being able to uh, see it grow over it, grow over a period of time. So when it comes to a self-directed IRA, preferably I would recommend either a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, uh, simply because they're tax-free retirement accounts. So essentially, your money is growing tax-free, and when you pull the money out at retirement, it's not taxed. In comparison to, let's say you have a 401k account with your employer. 
you're essentially investing pre-tax dollars and your money is taxed when you pull it out out of retirement. So, you know, having a Roth IRA is a great way to structure your retirement account to avoid uh, having to pay taxes, you know, coming out of retirement. All of your money grows tax-free and when you pull the money, you don't have any taxes coming out. That's the best way to, to grow your money expoundly more over a longer period of time. Now, for the year of 2020, of uh, the maximum contribution for a Roth IRA or 401k is 6,000 per year. So you can you can you can contribute up into that amount and maximize it, you know, every year, you know, until your Roth IRA. Now, under no circumstances will I pull from your Roth. You know, I have done it before, you know, me personally with my retirement account and you know found out that it was a non-qualified withdrawal and i ended up getting taxed and a 10 percent penalty so that's the risk also behind it it's more of a long-term mind frame when you're investing in it you don't want to pull from it you just want to invest contribute to it every month and just let it grow now i wanted to mention and talk on what non-qualified withdrawals uh, what they are and what are the requirements you have to meet. So you have to meet two requirements if it's a non-qualified withdrawal. So one is not having an account for at least five years and also if it's pulled before the age of 59 and a half. Now, you know, that definitely fit the case in my, in, for my example, in my situation. And a qualified withdrawal is the complete opposite. So if you had the account for at least five years and you're 59 and a half, um, you can pull from the account with no taxes being taken from the money. Um, now, you also can take it out for a disability or purchasing your first home. But in my opinion, I wouldn't use it for any of those circumstances. This isn't, in my opinion, it's a strategy for a way your retirement money, your money you're saving for retirement can grow tax free. And you can let it compound over time and you don't have to you don't you don't have to worry about pulling from it at no period of time. That's money that you're saving for when you're fully retired. So I wouldn't use it for those circumstances because, you know, if you're saving money and you don't have a lot of debt, you don't you wouldn't have no need to want to pull from, you know, your retirement account because you have money established, you have an emergency fund. So if you do have a disability or if you do need money to pay for your first home, you already have money saved. So that's that's just some more game right there on just how, you know, you should approach it, you know, where you don't have to lean on your retirement account, where you're just planning for the long term. So I definitely would say maximizing a Roth IRA, whether it's an IRA or a raw 401k is a great way to start your financial planning for the long term. Now, I kind of want to give you all some some great uh some some great uh individual online brokerage companies that you can use to start your tax-free retirement account. So, I mean, you have Fidelity, you have TD Ameritrade, you have Vanguard. Um they're all great brokerage brokerages. Now, some of you may have Robinhood or Stash to start like you're investing. You may invest in individual stocks and, and not so much, you know, retirement accounts. But, you know, I would definitely say those are, are good beginning platforms that are understandable as far as Robinhood or Stash. 
But once you become more knowledgeable, I will progress to an online brokerage company uh, just for the simple fact that um, you're going to learn a lot more, you know, when you're dealing with a brokerage company and you actually have people that you can speak to about your money. You know, I know with Robinhood, they don't really have a point of contact of people that you can talk to about technical analysis understanding the value of stocks, you know, looking at the research of different sectors, you're going to have more flexibility with that with a brokerage company in comparison to Robinhood. And I started with Robinhood myself, and it allowed me to become familiar with investing in stocks and kind of how to uh, be able to play simple trades. But I now have Fidelity and, you know, they have done a lot, you know, and it's a lot more data and research, you know, with you know, those platforms. And that's why I use Fidelity. It's, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great brokerage company to, to start your investment account. Now, you know, you may ask what's good to invest in with your Roth IRA or whatever tax-free retirement account that you may have. Um, me personally, I'm going to say an index fund, an index or a mutual fund. Uh, it's a strategic way to diversify your investment strategy and spread your risk of an of a loss. So, you know, a mutual fund as as some of you may know, some of you that may not know, um is a professionally managed fund that pulls investor money to purchase securities. So, instead of investing in one stock, let's say you're investing in a fund that gives you 25 stocks with an index. Um an index fund uh, what it what it really is is just a fund type that mirrors its portfolio in a relation to a specific index. So, you know, such as the Standard & Poor's 500 Index or the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. Um, a, a fund's performance is, is essentially being tracked to that of the index. So whatever go, is going on in the fund, as far as what their performance is predicated on, is tracking that of the index. So that's why you have like the Standard & Poor's um, they're, they're really looking at the S&P 500. They're looking at that index. So these type of funds are usually uh, passively managed index funds. Um, now, mutual and index funds, it's a great way to allocate your money into different asset classes. And another thing, another concept to think about is that a lot of index funds are ETFs. Now, what ETFs are, there are exchange-traded funds. So what an exchange-traded fund is, it's an index fund that represents shares of ownership and portfolios of common stock that tracks a specific index. So an example would be like if you were investing in the SPDR, S&P 500 ETF, and simply with what SPDR stands for, Standard & Poor's, uh, depository, depository receipts. Now, you know, some of their current holdings, uh, the companies that they have is like Amazon, they have Google, uh, they have Facebook. And sometimes you may hear them on CNBC, they may re refer to this index as spiders. Uh, that's what SBDR, uh, the acronym stands for that. Now, um, to, to get into a more advanced conversation you know, I know with doing research, there are some sophisticated ETFs that are available to investors. Um, you also have what's called a leverage ETF or an invert ETF. 
Um, these allow you to offset or limit your losses, um, or you can increase your capital gains. So an inverted ETF, essentially what an investor is doing, they're using short, using short selling to move inversely to the market. So they may short sell a stock in order to receive a profit and it's working inversely to the market. For example, let's say you have the S&P 500 inverse ETF. Uh, it's designed to move down 10% when the S&P 500 index moves up 10%. So it's moving inversely to the market. So, I mean, make sure to do your research with this strategy. You know, it can be risky, but, you know, you do have people out there to use these uh, these uh, these strategies, these hedges to be able to uh, manage and offset their losses within the market. So, you know, I always recommend, you know, researching a company when you're investing and in whether it's an index, a mutual fund, um, an individual stock. You have to do research on a company and you have to look at it from the CEO eyes. You know, you have to look at, you know, what financial measurements that you're looking at to see if your company is succeeding. Uh, do I have a, an, an effective management team that knows their responsibilities and tasks and is working at the highest levels? You have to really research these companies from looking and to evaluating their financial statements, looking at their balance sheets, uh, you know, looking at their cash flow statements. Um, I, I think that another great thing is also looking into their core values. You know, you want to make sure that you're investing in a company that they have, you know, ethical core values and they have some dignity dignity about themselves as a company and how they go about doing business, especially if their core values align with your core values, whether, you know, you want a company that's, you know, ethical, you know, moves with integrity, um, they have a purpose behind them. Uh, I think that's great. You know, we're looking at companies that tie into your own personal core values and, you know, a lot of this information you do have access to by searching online or just through your online brokerage account. Um, another website that I wanted to give you all that allows you to scan index funds and ETFs is called ETFDB.com. Um, I'm going to put the, the website on my show notes so in episode details so you all can just be able to go there. You can search different index funds and they allow you to look at the stock profile they allow you to look at the dividends and the valuation and also the expense expense ratios and fees and overall you're able to look at the performance of a fund as well so it's an excellent resource um, i'm definitely going to put it in the show notes because i want you all to be able to look that up for yourselves and uh also another thing that i want you all to look at is their fear and greed index um, it's an index that it measures two of the primary emotions that influence how much investors are willing to pay for stocks. Uh, essentially, what, what the logic of the concept is, is they say that excessive fear tends to draw down share prices and that too much greed tends to have the opposite effect. So I want you all to, to, to look at the fear and greed index. And I also put that website and resource in the show notes um, because you know, a, a lot of people say that, you know, when people are more fearful, that's when it's really good to get into the market because, you know, it's, it's, it's more, you're, you're being able to find more 
you're going to you're going to find more bargains, especially if the market is down, depending on that news. Uh, you're going to be able to get give good, valuable companies at a discount. And then when people are more greedy, that's when you kind of want to stay away from it. But it's a great resource to look at. Um, and I just want you all to think about, like, you know, if you honestly save five hundred dollars a month in the S&P 500 index fund 10 years ago, uh, you will have roughly one hundred and twenty thousand today. So it's just the concept of, you know, investing for the long term. And to me, that's the real bag. You know, that's that's what, you know, goals need to be surrounded around around and just how our mind frame needs to be, you know, just about investing, you know, not being a consumer and, and being very uh, conscious on how you spend your money and how you're investing it. So um, what's going on, everyone? If you haven't heard about the Anchor podcast, it's the easiest way to make one. Let me explain. For one, it's free. You have the flexibility of being able to record right at the palm of your hands from your phone or your computer. It has excellent creation tools that can allow you to record and edit as well. And you also can be able to use Anchor to distribute your podcast onto many other platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. Um, I did want to tell you all, thanks for, for tuning in. I really appreciate you all. And I, I did want to just end this, this podcast, you know, with a, a scripture, a scripture that stands out to me, you know, in 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, it states that, you know, for God have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Um, and I just want you all to keep that, you know, in your mind that, you know, uh, don't don't let anyone try to stop you from thinking beyond the box and, and being able to do things that are not accustomed to what the world is doing, what other people may be doing you know, in the, in the, your community, you know, be it, strive to think outside the box and, and move and push against fear and move with faith. So, you know, I just want to tell you all, thanks for tuning in. Um, you also can follow my Instagram is Kev and Jenkins. Uh, also my email, if you have any questions or feedback is, uh, Kevin and Jenkins 27 at gmail.com. I'm also going to put the link tree in the show notes. I'll create a YouTube video, Um, I'm going to have a video for this episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time.